Welcome to the Sports Innovation Podcast, presented by the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute, located right here in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Sherman, a full-time faculty member within the Sport Management Program here at IUPUI and a professional sports statistician here in Indianapolis. The Sports Innovation Podcast is designed to highlight innovative practitioners and scholars throughout sport and education to learn new and thought-provoking ways to improve our industry together. Thank you for listening to the Sports Innovation Podcast. Welcome to the Sports Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Sherman, and joining me today is IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute researcher and applied data science student, Aiden Coyles. Aiden is the first to join me in a series of podcasts focused on the students within the SII who are conducting research and authoring some really, really good stuff. Aiden, first off, tell me a little bit about yourself and what, what, I guess, what interests you about this area? Yeah, so I uh, recently did my undergrad at Purdue, got my degree in statistics, and then uh, came here to IUPUI last fall uh, to start pursuing an applied data science master's with a specialization in sports analytics. Um, and, you know, I just kind of, I just love sports and I love data, and I've known that for most, like since high school is when I really decided this is kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, and just being able to apply data to different sports and kind of seeing like what that data can show me about those sports, um, increasing my understanding about them uh, is just really fun. Uh, being able to look at what the data tells us about these sports, it increases my knowledge. It helps me uh, understand more about them. And, you know, it's just a really cool way to look at sports, I think, because I've, I, you know, I've looked at it both ways with just, uh, just watching it as a casual fan or, you know, an in-depth fan, but with no, like prior knowledge of data. And then now watching him as uh, like an analyst almost uh, has helped me kind of understand it in a different way. So it's been really cool. So, okay. You come in, you're a applied data science person looking in in analytics. What, how did you get connected with the sports innovation Institute? What brought you in? So last fall, my first week, actually, uh, Jack Gray, who used to be a pretty active member, uh, sent out an email to pretty much, I think, everybody who has the sports analytics specialization in applied data science. Uh, and several of us answered, and we came to, uh, we started coming to the Friday meetings, uh, and I just really got plugged in, uh, started meeting some like-minded people, um, was able to work on some solo and collaborative projects, uh, you know, start building a portfolio. Um, and it's been really a, a great opportunity for me to kind of, connect and network with some people that are also kind of looking to go into the same field as well as uh, just an opportunity to put some of my work out there and get it kind of spread around, uh, get a little bit more awareness. And uh, also it gives me a good opportunity to continue to do work because if it's getting shared, it makes me more likely to, you know, want to do it. So it's been a really great opportunity. And yeah, I just got just an email last semester that uh, led to me coming every week pretty much now. So you just mentioned something about like-minded people and uh, earlier in take one, you mentioned that people that are looking for the same jobs as you, right? You're working with the people that you're going to be competing with for jobs. What is, what is that like? What, 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 I mean, is that, is that something that helps you improve or is it something that later on you're going, dang it, I lost out on this job to this person because of the work we did together. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's definitely that fear like that, you you know, you're going to be competing with these people. But I think overall, it's been just a great experience because we all come from, you know, different backgrounds and we have different ways of applying ourselves to problems. So um, and we're not we're not all looking for the exact same job. So obviously, you know, we won't all be competing for the same thing. Um, but it's really great to kind of just see things from a different perspective um, and kind of get a different view on certain things that like, you know, maybe I had some different knowledge. It's also really great because I've learned a lot of things during this group from different people uh, about various like modeling and uh, web scraping and stuff. So it's been honestly a really good learning experience and hopefully they've been able to learn a little bit from me too. Um, and just, you know, that collaborative nature is great because we're not only going to be, you know, finding the exact same job. So um, I think it's good for us all to, you know, better ourselves by working with others who have, you know, some some different knowledge than we do. So I think it's been a really good opportunity. And I, it, just, it worries me a little bit, I guess, but I, I, I think it's mostly just a lot of fun to work with people who are interested in the same things as me. So. Yeah, it's not often that you run into, I guess you could say, your professional soulmate sort of thing, right? Where you're they're they're absolutely one hundred percent into the same things you're into, and you're able to actually work together and build something really cool. That that doesn't happen real often. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. So you mentioned to me that you're you're a big NFL guy. So what what drives you into wanting to know more about a specific subject, whether it's college basketball, whether it's football, you know, what, what pushes you into wanting to know more? So, uh, like, I, like I said, I've always loved sports, um, and I've loved watching them. Um, and I think data just, it, I don't think it's the whole story, but I do think it has a really good way of kind of pointing to different trends. And it's a really good way to look at a game and just kind of see like, why a team won or lost and kind of like what they could improve on or what they could, you know, like what they need to focus on in the future. And it's a really good way to analyze the game. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't think data is the only answer. I just, I do think it is a really good tool to use to at least uh, be kind of a beneficial aid to teams or players that are trying to improve themselves um, and being able to like, as a, like an observer and not actually working for a team or anything right now. Um, it's really cool to just look at different games and be like, well, if they started doing this better, um, or if this, you know, metric was a little higher then we could probably see them winning more games. Um, and, and specifically with football, uh, there's just so many like different, you know, route concepts and blocking concepts. There's so many different things that go into the game and they're expanding the, the data collection they have. Now they have like tracking data and, uh, speed and all these other things that they can track on the field as it's happening. And it's just opening up so many doors to understand the game even better. And I think while we should still understand that data is not everything, um, it is still really cool to kind of understand the game from a different perspective. And I think it can only make the game better. So that's why I, I really love data and sports and the combination of them. Data. It's just numbers, right? What I guess describe what can you do with these numbers? I mean, I I I guess maybe everyone and and maybe I'm not the the right guy to be asking that question because I'm not a numbers guy, right? I mean, I I do I do statistic stuff and I and I but I don't analyze it on the backside. What can you do with that stuff? Okay, yeah. So uh, data is technically just numbers, but um, it's the way that those numbers are distributed and like how many different things they measure. Um, and then once you've got it all collected, uh, just being able to combine them into different models. So like you looking at a certain uh, chunk of the characteristics you see in certain games or seasons, 
Uh, you can build stuff like regression models, random forest models, um, all kinds of different modeling techniques or machine learning, essentially, um, that can help you to predict future uh, future performance. Uh, and also, it also just, I mean, it's a good way to just look at past trends uh, and kind of see, you know, where you need to focus on improvement. Uh, you can build, you know, different unsupervised learning models that continue to take in data and then, you know, build themselves as the season goes along. Uh, it's just a really good way to at least add, like, you know, obviously you should still watch film and you should still, you know, just watch the game and see what you notice. But uh, you can also look at these models to help you see kind of like some of the areas that are harder to tell on the field. Um, like, you know, this, this offensive lineman's not doing a very good job blocking because of this, this, and this. Uh, and you can build a model to see how he can improve that and what kind of features of his game uh, he can work on. So I think, again, you can, you can definitely look at film, but there's uh, the data. And once you've got it collected, it's really cool to build models and just kind of see where that data can take you uh, and see what kind of uh, performance you can predict in the future. Now you've written some pieces on specific things, like for instance, the Super Bowl for the SI You've written something on uh, previewing the NFC and AFC playoffs, as well as you wrote a piece that, that didn't make it to our blog, but made it out on your medium about March Madness upsets using regression. So you've published those articles on, they're, they're kind of all predicting something, right? And that's what you just said, you know, you're building models to predict. But is there something else outside of that that piques your interest? I mean, it, there's a lot you can do with these, this, I guess, base of extremely, I mean, full. I mean, I know of one area that you can get 6 million data points from in, in, in five minutes, you know. It, is there something else about that that maybe piques your interest? Is there somewhere you want to go, something you want to do with that beyond just the predictor? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, predicting is, like, I love models, building regression models and stuff like that uh, because of just, like, what it can tell you. But I do think um, using that data to also, uh, like, analyze team performance just, like, in a static state, not necessarily predicting future performance. Because uh, my goal, my eventual goal is to work for, like, a sports team and kind of analyze film and data to kind of, like, help them improve. But uh, not necessarily predicting future performance, but maybe just analyzing the data to see how they performed in the past and like what they can do to improve. Um, so that like, so that that model would be predicting them to do better in the future. Um, just kind of looking at different areas and it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be building a model. You can just, you know, you can just look at the data sometimes, uh, clean up a data set and look at, you know, what the different areas that they need to focus on are. Uh, I think for me, I, I love building models and I love predicting stuff. I think it's really cool. Uh, obviously they don't always work out, but, um, I think there's also a lot of different avenues you can take uh, with that data to find some different, you know, interesting things about a past performance or current performance. And you don't have to use it to predict future performance. You can use it to just, you know, tell the team, hey, you need to focus on these areas. So I think for me, that would be what I would want to use it for mostly other than predicting. So, so you're, you're into the more of the, the team player performance side and, what about the business intelligence side? Would that would that attract you at all if you're wanting to work for a team? Yeah, I think I think that can also be interesting. I honestly like all data, and doesn't even have to be sports. I love being able to use data and apply it to something, um, and just kind of seeing what it tells us about it. I, I I just love data. It's 
it's so there's so many different interesting things you can get from it and there's always more of it coming uh, in fact it's just continuing to grow and so um, looking at the business side I, like I said I got my minor in economics so I do have a little bit of interest in also like how the team runs itself um, you know looking at things like salary cap in the NFL and how you can manage to stay under that um, you know there's all kinds of really cool things you can do with data and it doesn't have to just be team performance I, I would say that my like favorite thing to do with it is to look at specifically teams and how they perform and players but I do also like the business side of things is also very interesting and also has a lot of data to offer so I think either way, I would be pretty happy to work for a team in either of those areas. So, well, economics as a minor is, you know, not, you know, most people, you know, you're like, wow, that's, that's a pretty big minor to be in. <laughs> yes, that's a pretty big, it's a pretty big major to be in, much less I'm doing a minor and I'm doing data, right? Wow. Uh, okay. So, this is important. This is not just important to you and, 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 you know, the, the, the way that your future aspirations, right? It's not just, a, it's important to sports in general. It's important to m the world in general, basically business every day. So why do you think that this is something that all students should at least know a little bit about? I'm not talking become the expert. I'm talking just a little understanding maybe of how to read these plots or how, you know, what, what about it? I mean, why is this something that you think maybe all students should at least be versed in? Yeah. So I think, I mean, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, data is growing like exponentially and it continues to almost like, it's not taking over the world, but it is certainly a big part of it. And while you don't need to be able to, you know, build a model or create unsupervised machine learning models, it, it is still important to understand the output at least. Um, so like, like you said, with reading plots and stuff, um, you know, especially if you're going to work in a business, uh, a lot of times, you know, somebody like me would be presenting these like graphics and plots uh, and it, being able to understand what they're saying without me going too in depth uh, would be important. So being able to just kind of understand what the data is telling you after like somebody that is in applied data science or isn't a data analyst would be able to like, they run the model and they create these graphics. You being able to kind of understand what they are with the least amount of explanation is pretty important for, you know, future uh, like business workers or just like any, any field really uh, it, data, like I said, it's growing and you know, it's, it's in pretty much every field, you know, wherever you go, there's going to be a data scientist or a data analyst producing numbers somewhere. So um, being able to understand what the plots are saying, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just being able to understand the visuals that are produced. Um, but it's also important to know maybe like the fundamentals of the model so that you can kind of analyze it a little better and point out different mistakes that may have been made. Uh, just being able to, to understand where the data scientist or analyst is coming from is, is I think, important in, in any field uh, because of how how much data there is now and how much it's being used in our world. So, Hey listeners, just a quick time out and we'll get right back to today's episode. The Sports Innovation Journal is currently accepting submissions. If you're seeking a place to publish your innovative ideas and research on the sport industry, then consider submitting your work to the Sports Innovation Journal. The Sports Innovation Journal is an open access journal targeting the practitioners seeking answers to the most common questions and problems in the industry. We're always looking for submissions from researchers who are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you're interested in publishing your work in or serving as a reviewer for the Sports Innovation Journal, please visit the link in the notes or contact Dr. David Pierce, the editor of the SIJ, 
and director of the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupui.edu. That's D-P-I-E-R-C-E-3 at iupui.edu. Now let's get back to today's episode of the Sports Innovation Podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm trying to tell my students it's everywhere and they need to, they need to at least have an understand. I mean, an understanding of the concepts of what, what you guys do in your area. All right. So let's step back a second. <clears throat> let's, you wrote the piece on the Super Bowl. What did you find out? Like, what did you figure out with the Super Bowl A and how did what you wrote, did it come to fruition? So with the Super Bowl model, I, I didn't technically build any models for that. I mostly just looked at stuff like DVOA, which is a football performance metric and a couple of other stats. Uh, and I basically just looked at like which teams we, we could expect to see, you know, and I, I labeled all of them as either a contender a pretender or, you know, a team that we could expect to just see gone in the first round. Um, and, you know, I don't remember exactly all of the stuff I wrote, but I do remember like the Arizona Cardinals, for instance, who had a pretty good first half of the season. I labeled them as a, a team that we should expect to see gone pretty early, and they lost in the first round. Um, you know, it was uh, it was pretty interesting to look into, the, like dive into the data. I also used some film, some different data points like that, um, to just look at how each team was going to perform. Uh and I ended up, I believe, picking the Rams to make the Super Bowl at least, or at least the Super Bowl contender. So I, you know, I feel pretty good about that one. The Bengals did catch me a little bit by surprise, I'll be honest. Um, but it was. Uh, I don't. Was I don't think you were alone there, Aiden. I think they caught everybody, <laughs> everybody. by surprise. Yeah, yeah, they came out of nowhere for sure, and uh, I definitely wasn't prepared for it. But uh, it was really interesting to dive into the data um, for all 14 teams and kind of see, you know why they made it this far if it was kind of fluky like the Bengals seemed fluky at first uh, as well as like the Raiders and the Cardinals so um, it was really interesting to look at you know the data and and combine that with some film analysis and just you know see who I thought was going to make it all the way so so let's break this down for a second right let's put this into layman's terms that all that data what 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 did it tell you in, in that, and then layman's terms, right? <clears throat> and I think you summarized it well in your article, but what, I guess, how, how can a person, you're putting it in, in, into terms, like I'm looking at your March Madness one, right? You're, you kind of have terms in there that people are going, uh-oh, you know, there's a negative here and I don't know what that means sort of thing. Well, when you put it into layman's terms, right? What, what did you, what, what did you find out from what you were seeing? Yeah, so if we look specifically at the Super Bowl preview, which I think is what you actually meant me to talk about in the last one, um, I have like a couple of graphics up. Uh, for instance, uh, created one for uh, DVOA uh, for each team, and it's it's pretty easy to understand because it's just you know whichever one with it's a bar graph, so whichever one's higher is obviously better, and we can see that like. The Rams, for instance, special teams was much better in the regular season, but in the postseason, the Bengals used their special teams to kind of push their Super Bowl push. Um, and we can see that reflected in the second graph of the, um, the DVOA. We also, I looked at that for basically each, uh, like offense, defense, and special teams and broke down a little bit, like what those numbers mean. I didn't go too in depth, but um, looking at DVOA, which is basically just a percentage and it's, it's basically just a combination of how well a team performed in a specific facet of the game um, without going like, I mean, there's obviously a really complicated formula that goes into it, but um, it's just at the output, the higher the, 
also looked at ETA per play, which that one is just the more positive, the better. Um, and that one, again, that's just expected points added. So it's, it's basically just like on this given play, how many points did you expect to add to your team's score, essentially? So obviously higher numbers are better there. Um, you know, I also dived into some of the schematic matchups, which is probably a little bit less layman's terms because uh, I'm looking at different round concepts and, you know, uh, certain defensive coverage schemes. But um, I tried to, you know, break it down as best I could without, you know, spending three paragraphs explaining what cover three is, for instance. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then my favorite chart was probably the one uh, for Joe Burrow, which has like his passing heat map. Um, and it kind of shows how he performed at each sector of the field. Um, and it has, it has both his number and the league average. And uh, it's really interesting. You can see, like, because the Bengals were very good at just throwing the ball downfield to Jamar Chase every play. And you can kind of see that reflected in this graph because the deep parts of the field, he does really well, but he does really bad behind the line of scrimmage for whatever reason. So um, you can kind of see how they basically ran their offense with just throwing deep shots to Jamar Chase and running the ball, pretty much. Um, and also, like I said, the special teams was really, really impressive in the, uh, in the postseason. So that's kind of what gave them their push to the playoffs. And then with the Rams, um, I, I mean, they were just – they had so many stars on their team. I mean, <laughs> there's no other way to put it. Uh, they were very good defensively. Um, and obviously, the Bengals' offensive line was pretty terrible. So uh, that one was – less easy to or less hard to predict um and it was pretty much just looking at you know aaron donald versus the Bengals' offensive line so um, i did i tried to break it down as best i could but like i said obviously there are probably still some terms in there that you know you would need to be pretty familiar with football to understand um but you know i think it does a i think the graphics in particular are pretty self-explanatory like they do a good job of providing an explanation um and giving a, a good idea of what each team tried to do during the year. So that's a great breakdown of it. Now I'm now I'm going to have to go back and look at it and be like, okay, which parts of this do I actually understand? Right? I mean, I'm a sports guy, and I'm actually I'm not the traditional statistician like you are. I'm the one who puts in what's happening in real time into the computer so that you guys can do this stuff on the backside because the backside stuff is just not me, but the actual watching of the game and actually inputting what's the, what's happening. Now that's me. Now that's my thing. So, all right. So tell me since it didn't make our blog, let's, let's talk, talk to me a little bit about what you did with your March madness piece, right? It didn't, it didn't make the blog because you were, you, I think it was just a time crunch, right? So yeah. you, but you still published it, which I, which I love the fact that you're going out and doing your own thing in addition to what you're doing that's affiliated with the SI, right? So right. what did you figure out? What did you find out from, from what you did with Medium? Yeah, so I actually used two models. I built a logistic regression model and a linear. And the logistic model is basically just one that predicts a binary result, so zero or one. Um, and that was just to predict upset or no upset. And then I built the linear model to predict um, what the margin of victory was going to be. So how, how many points was uh, Team A going to win by? Um, and I basically, it was actually really interesting. So I pulled in uh, data from every March Madness tournament since 1985, which is when they first went to 64 teams. So I had, you know, quite a bit of data. And I basically filtered it down to upsets. Or I, I looked at how many upsets there were. And I think there's 225 over those over the course of that year and just in round one. So I, I really just focused on round one for this model at least um, and looked at 
only double digit seeds winning because you know the eight nine seed game is pretty much a toss up every year. So I, uh, I basically just filtered it down to first round games between double digit seeds and then the single seeds that are that are playing. And I actually found some really interesting stuff. I, I built through building each model. I kind of was able to see some of the stats that were most important. I didn't have access to a large number of stats, like all the advanced metrics I would have liked to use. I mostly just used like winning percentage, uh, margin of victory, and strength of schedule. Um, but I did find uh, several different like important stats. Like margin of victory was, I think, important in both models, and you know. That kind of makes sense because, you know, the more you win by, usually the more successful you are. So uh, that was really interesting. Uh, and then when I built the models, you know, it came out with uh, a pretty low number of upsets, which I was kind of expecting because you only see about six upsets a year, usually. <laughs> Depends on the year. But um, it was a pretty low number, but I, I did like some of the upsets. Uh, obviously, half of them didn't pan out. But, um, you know, I saw, you know, like the Notre Dame over Alabama, that one my model picked. Michigan over Colorado State, and uh, the other ones obviously all wrong. But Loyola Chicago was one of my favorite picks, um, and they obviously ended up losing. But uh, you know, there was a lot of different models. Like you know, I, I liked that my model kind of lined up with some of the picks that other people were making, just in like in the general sports field and analyst field, because um, like a lot of people were picking South Dakota State to beat Providence and Loyola Chicago to beat Ohio State, and so the model kind of lined up with what I was hearing from you know articles and different podcasts and stuff. So I thought that was, uh, I thought it did a pretty good job and I, I did get two of them, right? So there's at least that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to, to look at all that data. I, like I said, I love looking at data and being able to kind of dive into every March Madness tournament since 1985 and seeing some really cool team names, teams that haven't made a tournament in years. But it's just really cool to explore the data even before you build the model. So um, that was a really fun article to create. So you're 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 telling me you predicted the Michigan your model predicted the Michigan one. So would you say that you have now justified the committee's selection of Michigan? <laughs> yes, I, I think so. <laughs> I think they justified it. Yes. Yeah. I think they justified it themselves. Yeah, especially after IU made St. Mary's look like a. Uh, national championship contender. So. Well, that's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point as he has to rub in the IU getting hammered by St. Mary's. Although, it's also worth noting that my model predicted Indiana to win that game. So It is worth noting that he was wrong in his prediction, right? But he, he's a Purdue guy, so, you know, I have to at least say something, right? <clears throat> so, okay, so you mentioned it a little bit, but your future aspirations, right? Where, where, what do you, where do you want to take this? What, what is the ultimate for someone in your area, right? I, I know what the ultimate is for someone in sport, right? The general sport industry. But what is the ultimate for someone, for, a, for someone who's an applied data science person? What, what is your, I guess, ultimate aspiration? Yeah, so my, my biggest goal, like, obviously, everybody wants to be a coach or a GM. Um, and while I do think that stuff would be cool, I also think it would be incredibly stressful with all the, you know, getting fired every three years and stuff like that. Um, so I think for me, the, the biggest goal for me is to just, I want to work as a analyst for a sports team. So, like, you know, you'll see guys that are listed on the staff as offensive analyst or defensive analyst. Um, just being able to work 
like with data and film and just kind of combining the two. Um, and even to just work as like on the business side of things, if I could just be like a senior data scientist for a team or an organization that is in the sports field, I just, I really want to be connected with sports um, while also obviously using data. Um, Cause that's what my degree is going to be. in, so it's going to be the easiest way to get in. Um, but I do, I really want, I think working as like an offensive or defensive analyst for a football team, um, I, right now, I'm really into college, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to working for an NFL team either, um, either way. And I honestly, like, wouldn't mind working for, like, a basketball or baseball team either. Like, just somewhere in the sports field where I can kind of be around it every day um, would just be that, – that's my ultimate goal is to work for a team. So. so, my final thought, I guess, on this, what would be the thing that you would tell an undergraduate – or a graduate student that is interested or working through this area, what would be the pieces, uh, I hate to say advice, but more from your experience and from what you've been through, what would you say is something that they absolutely 100% need to do during their career? Yeah, so if you want to do, I, I think... I didn't do a very good job of this in undergrad, but like like building my portfolio, writing these articles, getting my work out there, um, also can, creating a network and trying to find some of these like-minded people. I know that at Purdue, I didn't ever join it, but there is a sports analytics club, for instance, and I think most universities have stuff like that um, where you can just kind of connect with people you you agree with and like you can work together on different projects and yeah it's just all about getting your work out there um i also uh i've done a few different volunteer opportunities like i worked at the horizon league baseball championships this year just kind of getting your name out there um into the sports field um and getting some different work out there just you know being able to have something to put on your resume that's going to say you know i worked on this article and i built this model and i worked as a volunteer at this event and you know just being able to say you know what i've been in the sports field i've been involved with it i'm ready to you know take this next step into a full-time job here um i can i can add something to your organization um being able to show them like proof that like i've done stuff like this and i can i can definitely come into the building and be a benefit to you um so i think i think just being able to build a portfolio and you know create a better resume that you know employers are going to take notice of uh, and once you start applying i think that's the important thing for me and that's what i've been trying to focus on this past year so and i think all students should take that advice and run with it because that's building a portfolio is tough and you know yeah. you got you got to get yourself into it to do it well thank you aiden for joining me here today and thank you for watching and listening to the sports innovation podcast You've been listening to the Sports Innovation Podcast presented by the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute. You can check out the research conducted by the SII, get more information on the Sports Innovation Journal, and check out the research conducted by some of our students and much, much more by going to our website at sii.iupui.edu. Subscribe for the latest episodes, and thank you for listening to the Sports Innovation Podcast.